This is the Daily Signal podcast for Friday, January 10th. I'm Rachel Del Judas. And I'm Daniel Davis. Ilanka Deaton was trafficked into sex slavery at the age of 12. She suffered for six years before finally getting free. Now, her brother, Jakub Boyens, runs a film company that brings the darkness of sex trafficking into the light. He recently joined Rachel to discuss, and today we'll share that interview. By the way, if you're enjoying this podcast, please be sure to leave a review or a five-star rating on iTunes and encourage others to subscribe. Now, on to our top news. U.S. military sources believe Iran is responsible for the downing of a Ukrainian passenger jet, which crashed in Iran earlier this week. The New York Times cites unnamed U.S. intelligence sources, which say they have a high level of confidence that Iran accidentally shot down the Ukraine International Airlines jet just minutes after takeoff. All 176 people on board were killed. The crash occurred during the height of recent tensions between Iran and the U.S., just hours after Iran had launched missiles on an Iraqi airbase housing U.S. service members. It also raised questions as to why the airspace around Tehran was left open to airliners in the midst of hostile tensions. The House is set to vote Thursday on a resolution that would curb Trump's power in using military action against Iran without congressional approval. CNN reports that Democratic Congresswoman Elisa Slotkin of Michigan, a former CIA analyst and senior military official, is the sponsor of the resolution. The measure would require the president to terminate the use of United States armed forces to engage in hostilities in or against Iran, unless Congress declares war or enacts specific statutory authorization for the use of armed forces. An exception in the resolution allows for deploying the armed forces if such deployment is necessary and appropriate to defend against an imminent armed attack upon the United States. The resolution faces an uphill battle in the Republican-led Senate and a likely veto from Trump. President Trump announced that his administration will overhaul environmental rules that have kept infrastructure projects from getting underway. The changes will affect regulations under the National Environmental Policy Act, which requires federal agencies to study the environmental impacts of planned projects like pipelines, mines, and highways. The plan would set time limits on those impact studies and change what impacts have to be considered. Here's part of what the president said at a press conference Thursday. These endless delays waste money, keep projects from breaking ground, and deny jobs to our nation's incredible workers. From day one, my administration has made fixing this regulatory nightmare a top priority. And we want to build new roads, bridges, tunnels, highways, bigger, better, faster, and we want to build them at less cost. The plan will likely face legal challenges from environmental groups. Michael Brune, executive director of the Sierra Club, said today's action is nothing more than an attempt to write Donald Trump's climate denial into official government policy. Trump praised a ruling on Thursday from the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals out of New Orleans that clears the way for $3.6 billion of military construction funds to be diverted to build the border wall. The two-to-one ruling overturns a previous decision from a lower court that blocked the diversion of funds. Trump praised the ruling on Twitter, saying, The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals just reversed a lower court decision and gave us the go-ahead to build one of the largest sections of the desperately needed southern border wall, $4 billion. Entire wall is under construction or getting ready to start. Well, a new development in the Jesse Smollett case 
An Illinois judge has ordered Google to turn over a year's worth of data from Smollett, including his emails, photos, location data, and private messages. The Chicago Tribune reports that the special prosecutor in the case obtained two sweeping search warrants on the actor. Investigators could be looking for any incriminating evidence from Smollett or his manager, especially after his charges were suddenly dismissed by Kim Fox, who was then the Chicago state's attorney. Smollett was arrested in early 2019 after allegedly faking a racist hate crime against himself using two accomplices. His sudden release and the dropping of charges sparked a public outcry, leading to Chicago's renewed investigation. Up next, Rachel's conversation with Yaku Boyens on fighting sex trafficking. If you're tired of high taxes, fewer health care choices, and bigger and bigger government, it's time to partner with the most impactful conservative organization in America. We're the Heritage Foundation, and we're committed to solving the issues America faces. Together, we'll fight back against the rising tide of homegrown socialism, and we'll fight for conservative solutions that are making families more free and more prosperous. But we can't do it without you. Please join us at heritage.org. We are joined today on the Daily Signal podcast by Yaku Boyens. He's the president and CEO of the film company After Eden Pictures. He is also the founder of Share Together, a nonprofit organization fighting against the global crisis of sex trafficking. Yaku, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Rachel. It's uh, great to be here. Well, it's great to have you. Can you start off just by telling us about your film company, After Eden Pictures, as well as Share Together? Yeah, so After Eden Pictures was born to transform culture through uplifting entertainment. So that's our, that's our mission statement, right? So we're going to take social issues and then produce entertainment content, film, you know, television, docuseries, you know, books, media, broad spectrum media, to speak to culture, to transform it positively you know, through, through uplifting entertainment. So it's, yes, family-friendly values for sure. Yes, I'm a Christian, so that's my root, right, and my foundation. But we're going to speak to big issues like sex trafficking and tackle heavy issues and then ensure because if a picture is a thousand words, then a video and a film can do so much of the, of the start of a conversation, right? And then we can do our real work after the fact. So that's the purpose of After Eaten Pictures. And uh, we've got an amazing team, great writers and producers. My wife is an amazing writer, by far more skilled than I am, right, on every level because um, we marry way up. Because women are amazing, uh, but no, an amazing team, and just uh, humbled to to have a voice in media. That's yeah. incredible. So you directed a film called Eight Days, which raises awareness about sex trafficking. It's an incredible story, and can you go into that story behind the film? Yeah, we wanted to make a movie, not a documentary about sex trafficking, and we wanted to make a film that spoke from the victim's perspective. So, so Amber, in this, in this film, her name is Amber, all the cases in that film are actual rescue cases that we were involved with, right? So these are real life events that we, re- we reenact, but in a feature film style, not a docuseries style. And so you hear Rachel's thoughts, and it's riveting. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a gut punch when you start understanding what happens to a human being when they're mistreated. What happens to a woman or a guy? When they're sexually violated, what are the thoughts and what does that process looks like, look like, right? How does a person get to a place where their self-worth is stripped, their value is gone, 
their self-image and then and then the guilt comes in and the loathing and the, and the justification and just that process and so we wanted to do that to show the audience this is the result of predatorial behavior when people come in and steal people's innocence this is what you know so unfortunately we're at a place in america definitely today where we've got to bring humanity back into the conversation we've got to remember when we talk about child sex trafficking it's people children 12 year old kids here being raped repeatedly when we talk about domestic violence and abuse that is a woman with a beating heart a real person with real feelings and emotions, right? So we got to bring humanity back into it because so much of what we're doing today is political. It's political. And it's almost like it's, you know, this etherical alternate universe that we're talking about and it's politics. No, it's it's real. I mean, it, it, it touches families. It touches people. Yeah. In the film, is there a particular story about a particular young woman or girl that you highlight that you like to tell that's particularly... Um, no, no, it just draws the audience in. Is there any particular story that you like to highlight when talking about the film? Yeah, it's Amber's story because Amber is sex trafficked out of a stable home. She's not a runaway. She's not a foster kid. She's not in CPS. She's living at home. And that is the, the number one rising trend of trafficking girls today is girls who live at home. It's not what you think it is. And so there's a huge misconception with Americans thinking, oh, yeah, okay, it's that part of town. It's the underprivileged community. It's the black community. No, it's not. It is, it is today infiltrated suburbia because now the softest target, the easiest victim, if you talk to any of these Secret Service guys that are here or any of the police force, they'll tell you the easiest victim is the victim whose radar is way down, who's living at home with their mom and dad, not getting love but money. right? And stuff solves problems, but her real emotions and her real feelings, she explores that avenue online and her the real person comes out online and now a, a predator trolls online and spots her and goes that's my girl she needs attention she's got daddy issues she's void of of purpose she doesn't feel like she fits in she feels like nobody can understand her i'll be the one that comes and says i understand you i get you i know i have the answers and then and then they'll court her for a period they're patient with this Romeo effect, and win her heart. This is why so many of these women will tell you when they're abused, it's love, he loves me. They're convinced. Women that stand on the witness stand, after guys bounce their heads off the wall and go, and then defend the guy, he loves me. Because they've been conditioned to, this is love. I'm giving you worth. I'm, give, I'm the person that understands you. It's so easy today. So that film shows clearly how a girl is literally sex trafficked from a stable home. Both parents. Both parents there because it's so easy today. Wow. You mentioned just the lack of self-worth and how that is one of the contributing factors to this problem. What would you say, looking at everything from kind of a wide-angle lens, is the driving force of sex trafficking in the United States? We have, in our country, for decades now, made an agreement that we're going to decay our sexual morality. The sexual revolution hit in the 60s. People wanted sexual freedom. And historically, three generations after you make a decision like that, a society implodes. When there is sexual immorality in society, they fall every single time. No society in history has ever survived a sexually immoral culture because ultimately it's a drug 
It's the most addictive. Look, there's two things. You know the two things that are in every family? There's only two things. Faith is not in every family, right? The two things that are in every single family on the planet is money and sex. Now look at the two things that I believe the enemy attacks people with most. Money and sex. So if you're going to corrupt a society, where would you go? Money and sex. So if you now can introduce sex to a child early, that is now a corrupted, quote-unquote, right, a misguided young person. Their vision of what sex is for, what love is, how do I get love? Do I get love through sex? Because this is what they want the girls to believe. So, you, so you're taking a direction and you're changing the direction of a whole society by making them sexually immoral. Well, how do we get people to accept that? You go with gender neutrality, gender fluidity, same-sex marriage. You know, you go with teaching sex ed to ten-year-olds in school, where you where you show them how to com- perform sex, which is going on at the moment, where you normalize anal sex. This is what's going on, and and so all of this is to to create a culture that is immoral, and we have an immoral culture today, and so we can fight politically, sure. And for those who, who want to keep, you know, certain people in power in politics, that's amazing. But the next morning when you wake up after an election, it, that election doesn't fix the country morally. The moral responsibility comes to the individual. It's you, Rachel. And my, my, and my cry to you today is, Rachel, do everything you can to keep yourself morally strong. Because no government can fix that. Because if you're not morally strong... You will attract people that will harm you because they'll see it in you. So how, do you, how does Rachel keep Rachel safe? Have a moral compass. For Rachel's sake, not even for the country, but for Rachel, right? For you. Because ultimately, if you're corrupted there, that's a difficult place to come back from. It takes a lot of rehabilitation. It takes a lot of therapy to come back from that. You know? Now we can go into the abortion argument. It's self-justifying pleasure people go I want to have sex as much as possible but I don't want any consequences it's my body and I want sex I go okay great go have sex but if you don't want to be pregnant then use a condom but once you fall pregnant now all of a sudden you've elevated the conversation to a whole nother level now it's not just you now there's a life there now you got a real issue now you have out of reckless behavior Number one, I don't think people should have sex with whoever they want to because that creates problems. But let's just say that's the individual's desire. Now you've elevated to an, you've now gone outside of yourself. But it's immorality. It's, and so now if you're a predator, if you're a pedophile in America today, this is like a playground. Because we are socially normalizing a sexually immoral culture and the predators are saying thank you for doing my grooming work for me because before I had to work really hard to convince a girl to give it up now society encourages it yeah yeah Something that's not talked about as much, and the very little research I've done about sex trafficking, there's a lot of mention that's made, and I feel like we don't talk about enough about pornography and the the link that's between pornography and sex trafficking. Is there a link there? And everything that you've done, what is the relationship you see? Is there one there? Yeah, if I may, if you and, and cut me off here from too verbose, I want to I want to show you how this works. The average 
age of young boys today that's in, introduced to, to pornography is eight. It's the average age, okay? So now you show porn to an eight-year-old boy. You instantaneously change his view of women immediately. Immediately. Because the natural instinct in a man is to hunt with a hunter. A woman is to take care, to nurture, to grow life, to protect life. So now you tell that boy, hey, woman is here for pleasure. So you've already altered how he sees woman. Okay? Now he makes decisions immediately. It's a drug. That drug progresses very fast. It goes from soft porn to hard porn. 100%. No question. Porn feeds sex trafficking. It creates demand. 100%. Can't get away from it. So anybody, anybody that's engaging in porn, you are in the system creating demand for child sex trafficking. Yaku, that's a leap. No, it's not. Because the ultimate drug for a sex addict, which the entry drug is porn, the ultimate drug is sex with a pre-puberty young girl. That's, that's where you go. You don't start with heroin. You start with an opioid that they steal out of their dad's medicine cabinet or smoking a joint. And then all of a sudden they end up with heroin. Right? It's the same with sex. You don't start with abusing a child. You start with an introduction and it's always, always, Rachel, there's not a single pedophile in the world that's not a porn addict. They all started with porn. They just progressed all the way. There wasn't an interception in their life somewhere where someone stepped in and go, hey, it needs to stop. That's why my cry is you've got to stop engaging in porn if you're involved because that is a vicious drug. Do you know that today the statistic is 68% of porn users will divorce? I've heard that the divorce rates are extremely high. 68%, which means it destroys the family. It steals everything. It robs you of everything. I mean, it is so destructive because there's actual chemistry alteration in the brain. There's actual, there's actual physiological makeup that changes. It's a vital because it's sex. Why is sex so important? Because sex is primal. It's foundational. So you can distort someone sexually. I mean, then just throw anything else in. What, what else do you want to do with that person? I mean, you could it do compromises whatever. everything. Everything. You talk to students a lot. I know um, you're at the Turning Point Conference this week talking to students here. What is the best way you encourage them to help stay morally straight? I know that this is a conversation we're trying to elevate more. And so what are some ways you encourage people to, you know, actually walk the walk and stay morally straight and to be accountable? Look, I'd be completely off kilter if I don't say this. It's a relationship with God, number one, 100%. There's no way because you don't have the strength in yourself to do this. It's like me saying, hey, Rachel, you need to face the world on your own. All the temptations. All <laughs> you don't have it, right? You've got to dig deeper and go to a place and say, okay, where's my source of, source of power and encouragement? So God, a relationship with God. And then secondly, self-accountability. They know. Every pedophile that lays in bed at night with themselves know they're abusing children. They know some point they just stop listening to that moral voice that says hey this doesn't feel right pay attention to the moral voice and then small groups hold each other accountable sisters friends your bffs best buds the guys you see your buddy engaging in porn pull him aside don't publicly shame this guy don't do it on social media pull the guy aside according to what what the word of god says to do and say listen man I know that you're hooked on this, but I want you to know what it's going to do to you, number one. It's going to corrupt you. You're going to lose. You're going to lose it all. You're going to lose your family. You're going to marry the wrong woman. 
right? You're going to maybe end up in jail. You're going to end up abusing some people. So let's get help now. Hold one another in love, not in judgment, but hold one another accountable and then walk with that guy or that girl. Do you know how many young students today again at this summit will come to me and say, I'm addicted to porn? Staggering number. And women. There's a crazy rise in how many women. So we've got to hold ourselves accountable. For me, it is you've got to connect with God because that's, that's where you get, you, you get your encouragement, your inspiration, and, and your direction according to his word on how to do this, how to tackle these very heavy issues. How would you encourage people who don't have a platform but still want to make a difference when it, become, when it comes to fighting pornography, fighting sex trafficking? What do you tell them? They're like, hey, I don't really have a platform here, but I want to do something. What do you encourage them to do? Yeah, I got that question five minutes ago, right? I'm like, go online and connect with us. You either connect with us, our organization, or we will connect you with a local organization. And look, we work in 56 countries, right? We've, we're very connected in the U.S. So if you say I'm from Omaha, Nebraska. I can get you in touch with an organization locally where if you physically want to donate time, you can do it. Or if you just want to plug in with our organization, right, and help what we do, then they can do it online with our organization as well. So you mentioned at the beginning when we started talking that you have a passion for media. That's what you do. How did you particularly get involved with sex trafficking? Was it a passion that you've always had or what was the story that led you to do the work that you're doing right now? I love how you ask questions, by the way, right? Um, this is real for us, right? This is not something we just read a book. My sister. So we're two brothers. I'm the oldest, a younger brother, and then a sister. My sister was sex trafficked for six years. Six years. So this is real. This, this is, we wake up one morning and our sister's gone, my brother and I and my mom. How did we learn what sex trafficking is? On the streets. Talking to people. Trying to find a sister when everybody said, oh, she's a runaway. She's a runaway. No, this is very real. And, and then that harsh reality hit me when she came back. The person that left is not the person that came back. It took 10 years. It took a decade to get Ilonka healthy. Three suicide attempts. I mean, it is a disaster. The suicide rate with these victims are through the roof because they come back to people who think they just should be normal. But when you abuse a woman sexually, you strip her of everything. Everything. Personality, identity, self-worth, purpose. It's a shell. The life expectancy of people that are trafficked for seven years, they don't live because they, they commit suicide. So if you look at teen suicide rate today and then draw the correlation with sex abuse, it is staggering. Staggering, right? Because they feel like they can't talk. I can't tell anybody. Nobody will understand. So for us, it's very real. Very real. And so then I started witnessing sex trafficking in the USA. And we just made a decision. My wife is a writer, an incredible writer. Philippa wrote a book and then wrote, and they said, listen, we're going to fight this fight because no child, no child. And again, yes, I'm a Christian. I'll fight for the Muslim kid, the Buddhist kid, the Hindu kid, any American child. We're focusing on American children. We, we fight in other countries too, but it's such an epidemic in the USA. We said, listen, we're going to focus in the USA. No child should be sexually exploited. Zero. And unfortunately today, the rising trend as I told you, it's in suburbia, but it's also parents trafficking their own children. That is just unreal. It's the number one rising trend. And what is behind that? Is it just money? Financial gain. Huge financial gain. And, and the sickness. you got a dad who's a pedophile who used to go out of the house. Now society said, no, but it's normal. Now dad goes, you're making it easy. Now I can just do it in the house. 
because now the dad knows, oh, I've learned how to get my wife to a position where she won't say anything. This is massive manipulation and, and coercion and force and fraud. So it's, a, it's an epidemic, but for us it's very real because it's, it's home. So no, I didn't learn about this because I got passionate about some movement. We had to find our sister. And, and then when he, now Ilanka is healthy, she runs her own ministry in Nashville, Tennessee. She goes to the bedside of these girls at hospitals and tell them, hey, I was there. Six years, by the way. I mean, this is not, you know. In the movie Eight Days, and, and that girl was from California, she was gone for eight days. 58, 50, 52 men had abused her in eight days, right? And, and she was found, praise God. My sister was six years I mean, she's got a book out, Keeping Secrets, which, which talks about why women keeps the, keep these secrets. Why do you see a woman being beaten up and then go back to the same guy? It doesn't make any sense. No, not, not to the logical, healthy mind. But, but when a woman gets violated, logic's out the window. It's survival mechanism. It's, it's about you know, just getting through life. And guys, look, boy, boys are abused, absolutely. But 97% are girls. Then I post this question. I don't have a single feminist group in the country that's fighting this fight. That is tragic. That is so tragic. Okay. I tell you, I just give you a stat. 97% of child sex traffic victims, who are the average age is 12 in the United States, by the way, lowest average in the world, are girls. Now, we're not even talking about the girl in the womb. We're not talking about a walking around 12-year-old woman. And feminist groups will not defend them. Because if they do, they know the second they acknowledge that child sex trafficking is real, they have to investigate their own. And all of a sudden, they, they have to look at where are the kids coming from. All of a sudden, it leads them to a border conversation. All of a sudden, they go, well, wait a minute. If we're going to fight child sex trafficking, it's going to go against our political views. And they go, yeah. But remember, it's people. And they go, nah. We'll Hands sit, off. We'll sit on the sidelines on this one. And they go, you hypocrites. You're not feminist. You created a movement to justify yourself and the things that are important to you. But you're not really for every woman. And then I'll go and say, if you're for every woman, why is over 60% of the babies aborted, black babies, girls? Fight for that girl. You just mentioned the border crisis and something else uh, along with pornography and sex trafficking. Another link that's rarely talked about is the situation we have at the border and how sex trafficking feeds into that as well. What is the situation there and what are you seeing in regards to people that are brought over illegally and how they can be trafficked into slavery? Our border patrol, I sat with the head of CBP recently in D.C., right? The head, right? And I said, come on. His name is Sal. Talk to me of communications. And he said, Yaki, here's the deal. Our guys drink from a fire hose. This is the process. That family comes across. As you know, Yaku, it's almost impossible to know. Is it her dad? Is it not? You, you need time. We don't have the time. You know, we get incredible pressure from not interrogating. All. 30% of the children that's coming across that border today will be in the sex trafficking rings. 30%. That's not, that's not even a fear-mongering. That is a fact. 60% of the children that come across the border have at some point or will be at some point in their lives at least sexually violated once. Means rape, whatever. But in a sex trafficking ring, 30% of them coming over will go into sex trafficking. But here's the most shocking stat that I learned. When CBP hands that child over 
That child goes to HHS, Health and Human Service, that has zero training, zero experience on even identifying a child sex sex traffic victim. All they care about is, is their disease, is the child nourished or malnourished, and food. Right now, Health and Human Services holds that child, right, and release them into the system, and then we find children all throughout America can't speak English, being rescued from sex trafficking, don't know who they are because that child's a ghost. There's nothing, and birth certificates, nothing on that child. Where does that child come from? Who's that child? So now, if you're a trafficker, think about how amazing that is to traffickers. You mean you're just going to bring children in here that no one's going to look for? And when they find them, there's nowhere to send them. And oh, by the way, we don't have enough facilities to house the kids when they're rescued. So the trafficker picks them up from juvie, picks them up from the, from, from, from the shelter. It's a disastrous system. And the longer the left placates and is not willing to publicly recognize that even their own people, both sides of the aisle, are perpetrators, it's being aided and abetted. We have our work cut out for us. So final question for you. It's no secret that the work you do, it's draining emotionally. I I know it. I mean, just reading about it a little bit, um, it's tough stuff. You mentioned your faith in Christ. I know that must be a huge part of what keeps you going. But how do you stay strong and committed to the fight when it when it can be so hard, especially given you do not everyone, not you know everyone's job, you know day to, every day to day nine to five. I don't know what hours you work, but they don't always have to face the kind of things that you face. So how do you stay grounded? Yeah, it, it really is my faith, um, and it's and it's it's a core belief system that every for me that every life matters. Every life. And I, and I just, you know, as we're talking here, you know what goes through my mind as we're sitting here? I see my sister's face. Every day. I remember and will never forget the moment when that girl sat in front of us as a family, just me, my mom, and brother, and the truth came out. And I had to hear what men did to her. And not once, although one rape is horrific, but six years and I had to listen to explicit detail because it was part of her healing process yeah, there's no words for the emotion so I see that face and that conversation every day so I wake up and I go stop it get them save the kids get the bad guys and yes and then, and then Christ brings the power and then we've got an amazing team I mean and my wife does it with me right and my, and my team does it with me and we create so there's an amazing team and it's people who really love people they really care about people and I can tell you 90, 90 plus percent of the people who we end up being involved with rescue and whatever these people aren't it's not like hey, we're going to go rescue the Christians okay this is not like, oh you're going for your kind no it's just every child but also now, every pedophile. I'm putting my sights squarely on demand. Those who are paying for sex with children, I'm coming for those guys. Fortune 500 companies, CEOs, congressmen, senators, I don't care who you are, what your name is, where you're from, what may happen in society if it gets out. Run, hide, or repent. Change your ways because we will get you. We will. Epstein was the tip of the iceberg. Epstein was a minion. I mean, you wait till you see what comes out this year. People above him, the people he answered, the people who pull his strings. It's going to rock society because it's, and it's going to scare people because it's among us. It's here. 
I mean, it's here at this conference today. That's the reality. It's, it's in the church. Every church. Deal with it, pastor. Start getting your people safe or you're not doing your job. It's in every corporation. Because why? It's sex. It's in every family, right? And so, so fathers, do your job as a dad. Get involved with your daughters. Know their hearts. Build them up as young women. Tell them who they are. Get, get them real identity. Make sure that the first time they really believe that they're loved is not from some creep online. Make sure it was you, dad and mom and brother. Teach your sons how to respect women. Teach your sons how to protect women. Not that I'm saying women is weak. Women are weak and can't protect themselves. No. But man's job is to be a watchman, to go out there and hunt evil and look for the bad guys. Right? But we're not. dads are not doing that. They're not. So ultimately it comes down to the father. Now look at what's happening at the African-American community. Fatherless nation. Got to bring those dads back. Got to get them back. Got to get them involved so those young girls do not go trust some weird guy to tell them what love is, what their purpose is in life, what their worth is in life, because they'll do it. Yaku, thank you so much for joining us today on the Daily Signal podcast. We are honored to have you, and thank you for sharing everything you've shared. Thank you, Rachel. You guys are amazing. Thank you for your work. It's an honor. Well, thanks for being with us. Bless you. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to the Daily Signal podcast brought to you from the Robert H. Bruce Radio Studio at the Heritage Foundation. Please be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. And please leave us a review or a rating on Apple Podcasts to give us any feedback. Robin Virginia will be with you on Monday. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is executive produced by Kate Trinko and Daniel Davis. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, the Leah Rampersad, and Mark Guiney. For more information, visit DailySignal.com.